Hi, you're listening to Secrets for an Inspirational Life with me, your host, Mimi Novik. I'm so happy and thrilled to have you here with me. I have created this series for all of us so we can change our world together and live a more holistic and balanced life. Together, we will share lots of inspiring stories from all walks of life, speak with leading experts, enjoy healthy living ideas, explore music and subjects that inspire each other to always have hope. Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate all of you. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Secrets for an Inspirational Life. I hope that you are well. I hope that wherever you are today, there's a little bit of happiness, a sprinkling of joy, and there is peace and health in your life. Now, some of the most fascinating things that I have come across in my life so far is this beautiful alchemy of mysticism and magic and really the beauty of life, something that is really unexplainable in words. And I'm always honoured to meet people that somehow vibrate on this similar frequency because we're all vibrational beings, I believe, and each one of us has our own song, our own dance, and our own frequency. And sometimes we meet people that resonate that deeply within us. And it's these people, really, that become sort of part of our tribe, so to speak. And we have kindred spirits that understand us in a way that possibly a lot of people out there don't. And that is why today I am really honoured because I have a very, very interesting guest for you. He is an intuitive practitioner and the founder of the Tanglewood Project, and that is Nick Muscle. Nick is also an artist, a silversmith, a beekeeper, And he has really a life vocation of helping others to overcome some of the challenges that everyday life may present to them. His skills are unique. I've seen some of the work that he does as a silversmith, and it is beautiful, I have to say. He's a true artisan in his craft. And he has a special way also, which he's going to tell you all about in communicating because he used something that I would say is a unspoken language, a language of the heart. And this enables him to work with people that have a diverse range of stories. And this allows him to create environments where people can come into creativity And the creativity somehow allows them to transcend any tragic stories, any dysfunctional stories, or just stories of life, you know? Um, 
everything that we are living, somehow we can transcend into another realm of existence, the realm of the heart and the soul. So I think he's mystical. I think he's magical. And he weaves his life in that way with all the things that he does. And today he's going to share his wonderful experiences, his journey, and his stories with us. Welcome, Nick. Hello. 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 <laughs> wow. Amazing. I, I, I'm to feel privileged to be here um, talking to you, Mimi. And uh, as I, I've, we've had a little bit of correspondence and mm-hmm. listening to your previous podcasts have just, as you say, it's about that connecting with tribe. And I feel very privileged to be selected for this and hearing those other people within their heart resonance, putting things out in the world there. It's just really good to hear that other people are coming from a similar space. So I look forward to seeing what we, what alchemy we can create between the two of us here this afternoon. I'm sure it's going to be very beautiful because I am honoured indeed that, um, that you've come on the show today, Nick. Because as I said to you earlier, it's something that there was something, you know, truly that it's a mysticism that resonates from all that you do in your work. And also in the sense of your presence, that was something that really was fascinating because I can see that you can really transcend in a way, a bridge to help people reach their own inner sanctuary. So thank you very much for coming today. And let's go back, as I always say, to the beginning. Tell us a little bit, because I know you do so many different things, but let's begin somewhere. Tell us a little bit about your life and about what you do. Okay. Um, going back to to my roots, I was mm. I, I was I was I was privileged within my life. I lived in a, a small village on the Hampshire Surrey border, and I had access to. There was a small holding across the road from us, and she was a, an amazing lady, who she was actually a university don up in Edinburgh University teaching uh, classical Spanish, and she gave it all up for the good life when she'd inherited this property. And uh, she had a, it was a lodge to the big house, but she had 30 acres surrounding it, which had the tennis lawns and the woodland and some fields and all the old gardens there. But Mm. she turned it over to having a variety of animals. And she was a lady there on her own. And she knocked on the door when I was about nine, 10 years old, saying, did I want to go across and help with the animals? And it, it allowed me to be able to just have free reign. I would get home from school and just go and submerge myself in the environment there. Uh, you know, connecting with the animals that she kept, uh, feeding them. And, you know, the cycles of life and death on the farm there. But also it allowed me to, to wander the woods and go through the marshes and watch the snowdrops come up in the spring and the conkers ripen on the trees in the autumn and just live within those kind of rhythms of the seasons. And, you know, it's is something which looking back on it was something which really wove itself into my soul and and that deep 
understanding of of what nature is and those those things those wheels that turn that we are part of uh which are you know our modern day society spends you know for that consumer society we're very disconnected from so part of my kind of creativity and working outside um, is just about taking that time to just to step into that and, and feel it and, and understand um, where we are within that. And that has, it's been a theme that when I've, when I've stepped away from it in my life, that's when things become uh, disconnected and the resonance goes so so the, the the thread which ran throughout that for me was uh was that connection with creativity with art so from a very early age i would have things in my pockets which i would take home with me and and my mum said to me the other day um, she remembers more than one occasion of having slow worms in my baby slow worms in my pockets and and it was you know i'd have baby birds and things like that but i, I would pick up uh, those little gems that you found like broken eggshells and skulls and and then I would come back and draw them and model them and sculpt them so I, I defined myself in my younger years as an artist uh, which then propelled me on through into art college and and that discovery of 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 the different kind of influences and skills and things which you know I was able to pick up along the way so when I left art college uh, I I was I was suffering from ill health. I had glandular fever, which knocked me out of orbit for for quite some time. Um, mm. And at, at the same time, this was um, the early um, it was 1992, 93. Um, it, recession had hit, so all those jobs which I was hoping I was going to get as a qualified graphic designer just weren't there. So with the illness, I then had to kind of step back and kind of go, okay, so what, what is it that I want to do with my life? So I set up a business called Visionary Ideas. I, I really didn't have a clue. I got a grant from the Prince of the Youth Business Trust. I had a mentor who was a very dry, very traditional um, pen pusher of a guy, bless him. And I kind of burst onto the scene and, and had all these kind of crazy ideas how I was going to make a living. <laughs> And yeah, and I and I did it for ten years, and I I was privileged to be given some amazing commissions. I did a, a wonderful project. I was involved with building a thirty-three foot long yellow submarine for the World World Wildlife Fund, and I made all the endangered species um, wow sculpture to go inside, and it toured around the country. Uh, mm -hmm. I, but then I did other crazy things like making a cocoa bean characters for Cadbury's World up in Birmingham. Uh, and then also doing private commissions. Uh, I did a commission which took me nine months to do over about a year and a half, making a very, very detailed mirror, which was that kind of Art Nouveau-y, arts and crafts kind of feel to it. And, you know, and I did all sorts of other things in between which interested me. And I was living by the sea and I uh, had a boat, which I, if the weather was nice, I'd go off and go do a bit of fishing and then bring the fish back and, and make a sculpture and sell them to galleries and private buyers and things so but but the 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 challenge with that is leading the creative life you are it's it's a world of richness but also there can be the gaps between that make it really really hard and you're always chasing for the next commission so some of the commissions I got involved with were just to pay the bills and it didn't sit quite right with me and you know the stress that came with that the creativity was then beginning becoming something which was not what I was wanting to connect with in, the, in that way. So, and, and along the way, I, I met somebody who uh, 
um, who was deaf, uh, a young lady who taught me so much. Um, and it was a language which I was very, because I'm a visual person, I, and one of the things mm. I realised is an artist, that being an artist is about communication. So kind of step into to the world, the visual world of sign language was a light bulb came on for me. And it's something which really, really resonated with me. So I was given the opportunity later on to run some community workshops where we set up an arts group uh, and an arts cafe and we had some uh, say community workshops which young people came to and these were youngsters with additional needs we had some deaf youngsters there and very quickly I realized that space of creativity if you allow people to make things which when they arrive on you know um, on your doorstep and they know they're going to they're going to be doing something but when they when they leave your space they've created something which was so far beyond their imagination there is this amazing transformation that begins to happen and you watch people they they they, they're standing taller they they're within their power they are connecting with something which is transcends the everyday and that's the bit where the kind of the magic happens for me and and working with with young people who are who have got stories which um have interfering with them reaching their full potential if you can give them something which they can then redefine themselves by and saying you know i can do this in life it shows them that anything is possible so that trajectory that trajectory of stepping on um, shifting my kind of career path from one of just being an artist to working as an educator and a facilitator uh, took me into some weird and wonderful places. Uh, I had uh, a couple of years working for social services, running an activity scheme for children with special needs and their siblings. And it was a baptism of fire, but in the most beautiful, beautiful way. I literally had a phone call. Somebody had stepped away from the job and they needed somebody really quickly at the beginning of the summer holidays. And I was working with around about 50 children from the age of four up to 18 with a huge range of special needs. Um, and it allowed us to be, you had to be very, very creative. You had to think on your feet. You had to to drop into your heart and because every day was a new day because things could kind of unravel very quickly but you know the next day you you pick it up and you start again and we we had um like a project which we had the older young people i went around all the local businesses and we i filled up my car and a trailer and we filled the, the school hall we were in with scrap materials and we built a huge spaceship and all the older children were involved with making it. And then in the mornings, the, the small children the next day would come and see what, how, what had been added to it and they could play with it. And this went across the whole of the summer holidays. And, it, you know, it's something the staff enjoyed doing, the children enjoyed doing. And it just brought that, that, that magic into their lives, that imagination that anything's possible. You know, these, these are young people which have been given labels and are put in boxes as a result of that. So you describe yourself as an intuitive practitioner. Do you feel that that is something that helps the people that you are helping to overcome some of the challenges in their life? It is this intuition that's the bridge that they can cross over to reach something deeper within themselves. 
Yes, it's, it's an interesting term, intuition. Um, it's something which I've spent a lot of time thinking about and, and you know, defining myself as an intu intuitive practitioner comes with, with, comes with a responsibility and it is about uh, stepping in initially into yourself and, and stepping into that space where, where um, your heart is open. All of us, we, we, either, um, we are either motivate, motivated by love or by fear. So if you're stepping into a space, particularly with people who are maybe challenged in life and have the stories that are interfering with them and they're reliving those scripts and that trauma, if you drop yourself into that space of unconditional love for that person and allowing them to be able to step into that space for themselves you have to drop in first and think about where your center is you can then feel into the situation and feel where that person's coming from and what their particular needs might be at that moment in time so it's about you know we we at the end of the day we're animals and and we have various systems within our body the flight freeze or flight responses which are there for for very good reason um but you know the the society that we live in can can bend some of those things out of shape and and we can have um scripts running in our in our psyches which then trigger our bodies in certain ways so it's about bringing people into the moment and allowing them just to gently unfold and giving them their stepping stones to to come out of that trauma state and that fear state to to move into creativity so that just takes that time of just just sitting in the space and and allowing yourself to to just tune in um, so that then allows that person to be able to step forward into the space that you're creating with them and what sort of things do you use? Is it your skills as an artisan that you are able to use with the people to provide the safety, I suppose, for that journey to happen? One of the things that I do, you mentioned at the beginning that I'm a beekeeper. Uh, I have an amazing bakers in town here and it can, one of the things that if I'm working outside the first thing that I do is I light a fire and the lighting the fire the actual process of doing that is such an ancient process you know it's something which we have deep within our souls that you know that 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 sitting around a fire and watching the flames it's it's scientifically proven that it can calm mm. those the, the brain waves so what i do is I, I go to my local bakers i pick up some beautiful bread from them i get some honey from my bees and we sit down and we make a hot drink and we toast some fire, some bread over the fire. And that just the act of, of breaking the bread and sitting down and sharing something, the stories then begin to just to creep in. Um, and then it's about finding what that person, what their expectations are of the day, what their fears might be, what their hopes are, and, and just starting those kind of authentic conversations. And, and I will take materials with me to offer them the opportunity to engage on a creative process. So my background is an artist. I have... I've I've designed a number of workshops. We did I do a lot of traditional rural skills and uh, things like metal smithing, copper smithing, uh, nature connection, 
and just a, a wide range of, of different things which people can to spark their imagination maybe things that they haven't seen before uh, i'm a great believer in in the universe providing uh, there is that the power of manifestation mm. so often when i'm working with a group things will pop up in my life and and i spend a fair bit of time going backwards and forwards to our recycling center and the chap who runs it locally will keep an eye out for things for me and you know things like old singer sewing machines uh, which have ended up found their way to the tip i might sit down one day and repair that with a young person and the next day we're then using it to to stitch fabric together and, and use plants to, to print onto the fabric with a bit of wood and a hammer and you end up with something which is this this creativity from from random things that come together and, and some things are a bit more organized you know I will come up with a, mm. a, 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 a program of work with with the people that I work with but it's about keeping them at the center and and often you know our education center is, um, system there is a, a very prescriptive curriculum so what I'm about is getting young people out of the classroom and get them in there to own the the, the sessions that I work with them and so that that Th that alchemy that then happens with that it becomes greater than the sum of the parts and, and we take it to places where, where neither of us could have imagined it was going to go at the beginning it's amazing i have to say to you nick because it is something that in a way reminds me of a community you know uh, a community of people that are at the heart and at the essence of humanity that they you know you could teach people these skills and for them to go out and to touch other people and their life mm. is that something that sort of resonates um in the whole thing that you do definitely i think one of the things that that you know i've just spoken about that kind of prescriptive curriculum if you are an individual that that does not fit into the status quo of the education system and that may be because you know and i i, I and i don't like using labels but for in the interest of kind of describing what i'm doing mm. so somebody's been described as having special needs or or, or autistic spectrum disorder or, uh -huh. or, or adhd all those sorts of things they are seen as viewed as as being broken potentially being viewed as it being in a deficit position so you know they are young people who are you know and adults who are coming from that place where of lack so but if you then allow them to to become part of the tribe to see that their skills and their ways of thinking and the way that they view the world is something which is has they can they can positively contribute to for themselves but also to the people around them it's about that that empowerment and it's about them transforming their their circumstances and and, and their true spirit coming through you know i i believe that we are we have a soul that that we bring into this you know we choose to be here as human beings and and mm. that and and the the cage that then can create around us from from some of the unwritten rules of society that we live within um, you know like men should boys should women should girls should disabled people should those what that word should it can be can be very restricting so to to lift that and get them to step outside of that space is is transcendent 
it's such a powerful thing and it enables them to to understand that you know we are all one and that they have just as much to contribute to to wider society and to their immediate friends and family is yeah it, it's just it's magic it's magic it's a beautiful work really it's such a noble work that you do nick now do you just work with young people or do you also do projects with adults it's a uh, the tangled project i ought to explain a little bit more about that it, yes it came, tell us a it, little bit i was going to go on so, to that what the tanglewood so project the, is so the tanglewood project is a project that came out of working with a youth center i was managing for a number of years we had a special needs group there i could see the writing was on the wall that the youth center was going to close with the with the cuts um that the the austerity cuts that we had and so it was an ambition of mine. So I, I, and I spoke to the young people I was working with and saying, you know, I would really like to, to, to do this with you. And, you know, it's something we can, we can leave behind within the community here that will be, you know, the, the young people which come behind in the school next to the youth centre will be able to use. So, so the Tanglewood project is essentially uh, building outside spaces, education spaces. And we, didn't know what we were doing to begin with. Uh, we went out and bought a book on how to build a roundhouse, and I sat down with the young people, and we we came up with a plan. We came up, we we project managed it together, and what we ended up with was a, was a beautiful reciprocal roof roundhouse. Um, and I don't know if you know what a reciprocal roof roundhouse looks like, but it has a beautiful spiral in the roof. I do actually, I, I and I've yeah. seen yours as well, and it, it's quite stunning. I have there's to a say. there's a number of people out there across the country, across the world, building these beautiful buildings. Mm. But what but what is what is wonderful about them is the reciprocal roof is the whole idea that each rafter holds the next rafter up, and the one behind holds that one up. So it's mm -hmm. this 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 reciprocation. It's like I have you you help me so that whole yes. me metaphor of building in that way and building consciously and weaving that into the language as you build it you mm. then become you it, it then becomes manifest so it's then um enables people to to connect with something um in in the real world that that space and i suppose it's like churches that you, mm. you you walk into that kind of sacred space because that intention has been set and instantly that you get that feedback from the building there and the people who move into it because they are very conscious of it and so the the tanglewood project it needs to involve people of all ages and abilities because it's it's about going out into the woods and and chopping down trees and you know selecting the appropriate trees for it and the appropriate trees for that woodland as well and going out and coppicing and then processing though that into building materials so i've had um children for as young as 18 months old up to grandparents in their 80s so it's right across the board but what then happens is um, I've then gone from the, the youth centre where using losing my job within the youth service, which was, mm. which was crushing at the time. Uh, the 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 what came out of it was I've now um, I'm now nine years down the line. I'm eight roundhouses later, and I've connected with hundreds of people across the county here, and each one of those spaces now have become. Um, a hub for people to be able to go in and use and, and carry on the work that we started there but with that original intention which is yeah it, it's 
I feel truly blessed to be able to go and do it. And, and I have met some incredible people along the way. And each building has its own resonance to it. Each one has its own character. And it, it's fascinating because obviously, you know, I have the luxury of being able to spend time in all of them. Um, mm -hmm. But you can you can feel the, the magic of each group woven into that space. And is there a place that people can come to, uh, Nick, for example, on your website, that they can see these buildings and know how to visit them? At this moment in time, we do not have a specific Tanglewood building that is just for Tanglewood. They are in schools and colleges across the county. Mm -hmm. We do have aspirations and we're in discussions at the moment and we have found a site where that will be happening over the next few months which is oh, okay. so, so watch this space <laughs> oh that's excellent that's excellent yeah. because i've seen some of the things that you've done you know as i mentioned earlier with the silversmith work that you do and also with this and it is something close to my heart because I'm very much into nature and into woodland and it's some of the places where I spend a lot of my time being there because there is a certain type of magic to it isn't there it's it's an it's an ancient magic and, mm. and it's something which you know as human beings we are we are disconnected from it um with uh, you know the screen times that we spend the, the the things that we want to go out and buy and and you know the pressures of life uh, mm. you know, and 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 nature carries on and, and you know I, it, we were talking about the bees earlier on and you know the the bees they have been around for millions and millions of i'm years. glad you brought that up because that yeah. was my next thing i adore them and please tell us more about your bees oh the bees now that that's been a journey <laughs> from they they are they're in my dna they are something i just remember as a child just being absolutely mm fascinated by the idea of this 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 community of of creatures that all work together and made the most beautiful structures and and the the honey that came out of them and you know and every opportunity if ever i saw honeycomb for sale for sale as a child i had to buy it and you know i was never in a position as a child to keep bees and but it was always something that i knew that i would do and i had an amazing head of department at the school i worked in who was a beekeeper and and we got talking about it and he said hey okay you, you can have some of my bees what i didn't realize was it took me three years to realize that not all bees want to kill you all of the time and they were the most vicious oh horrendous bees and 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 the way that i am i'm somebody who uh will go yeah i'll, I'll give that a go and, and learn retrospectively or on the mm. job so yeah I, I came unstuck a few times it it, it it gave me a very healthy respect for bees uh, but it also made me realize that i was determined to do it so i you know i build my own beehives i i go out and collect swarms from some of the most amazing places i get to to turn up in, in people's houses. Um, Where do you go? Where do you collect the bees from? So I will get a phone call. I have a page, Tanglewood Bees, um, on Facebook. Mm -hmm. You can go and have a look on there. Um, mm. I, I will get random phone calls. I never know where they're going to come from. I, for example, I had, a, I, I had a phone call this week from the post office for me to go and get one out of a letterbox. 
a couple of weeks before that i had a phone call from somebody who rings me on a yearly basis they have a swarm of bees that uh live in their chimney uh, they, mm -hmm. they moved in there a few years ago and so every year they produce a swarm this last year the bees very kindly swarmed on a low bough on a apple tree and i was there for for only a short time uh before i had the bees in a, in a hive and i just sat there watching them coming and going and like they hadn't missed a beat and they they just knew that they wanted to be there so and, and sometimes i'll end up on roofs of houses uh sometimes i will end up taking floors out from people's houses when they've gone underneath the floorboards so you know i say i never know where i'm going to find them from each um swarm of bees is completely different as i say mm -hmm. i have a very healthy respect for bees and you know i i have turned up at places where the bees have really told me that they don't want anything to do with humans and you have to treat them with the utmost respect and and become mm -hmm. a bee whisperer at that point another i was going to say that actually are you a bee whisperer i, I am one thing I learned very, very quickly mm. is when, when you, and it's like working with young people with behavioural issues, you know, it's like working with anything living, you have to, it's not about you, it's not about your ego, at that point you have to drop into bee time and you have yeah. to, to use your intuition and, and get that feedback from the bees and, and step into that space with them with a healthy respect, but it's got to happen in their time because if you try to bring it into your time, that's when things they, they can come unstuck very quickly right now what do you do with these bees nick do you take them back to your place so sometimes i had them nearby my house um mm -hmm. I, I will say that i have very very understanding neighbors but there was a point where we all mutually <laughs> agreed that maybe they shouldn't be next to the house because i'm collecting swarms from places which i you know on the day i might collect the bees they might have a lovely temperament but once they've settled into their hives they might be a bit more defensive so i mm. don't keep the bees I, I live i live in a beautiful little i live on the tarka line um railway which runs from um, um, Exeter up to Barnstable and, and I'm, I'm in deep mid-Devon here and I live in the old railway cottages next, oh, how to, beautiful. next to the track and mm. the, the little trains chug up and down the track here um, but also I have you know there's a half a dozen houses here and to have the bees on the doorstep it's great it was convenient for me but it didn't always work out quite so well so mm. I am very very lucky I have two sites I have um, uh, uh, woodland which we use for tanglewood work as well uh, which is uh, over near Bickley which belongs to an old chap called farmer John Greenslade which anybody who lives in Devon's ever listened to Devon radio he's on there on a regular basis and he has planted up the, his land there he had TB on the land there 30 years ago and uh, stopped putting nitrates on the land because he didn't have the cattle there anymore and he started seeing wildflowers that he hadn't seen since his childhood so he had a, a an epiphany moment and thought well if i haven't seen these flowers since my childhood what about mm. the children which have come since then so he started planting and it is the most beautiful woodland and meadowland in the county it's award-winning um and quite rightly so he's such a generous spirited guy he heard about what we were doing i went across to meet him and i do a lot of the tanglewood work from there but i also uh keep my bees there and and oh, and, okay and, and, that's lovely and, of him 
and and all beekeepers um you know most beekeepers have two sites because there's the age-old rule that you move your bees either three foot or three miles so you have have to to run across two apiaries and i have another woodland just up the road from me on an organic farm so yeah mm -hmm. I'm, I'm very very lucky where i get to keep my bees now do you um have products from the bees do you have the honey I, and the propolis and the royal jelly I do. I, I, I don't take the royal jelly from the hives, but I, okay. I have propolis, which is absolutely, excuse my dog barking in the background. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> um, I, from the hive, I take wax from the hive, which I, I hand on to various people and uh, they do craft-based products with it. I, I use it for, for various things. I also, the roundhouses which we build, I make an amazing varnish out of linseed oil and beeswax. And so all, all my all my um, roundhouses have this incredible kind of glow to them. Propolis is an absolutely amazing material, and yes, um, it so is. Pro so propolis is, you know, it was it it was used widely up until the invention of antibiotics, mm. and, it, and it is transformative. I have had in the past eight years, nine years, I've had a handful of days off work and I put that down to the propolis it, it, yeah I, I make my and do you take it do you take it daily I don't take it daily if I can feel that my body just it maybe needs a little bit of helping hand if I get a little bit of a sore throat ah, or, okay or and how many like drops that. would you put into water now you see I, I've got to the point where uh, water <laughs> doesn't come into it, 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 it it's it's the full fat kind of yeah oh you do it okay yeah. all right yeah the but I, I, I wouldn't recommend that to, to people starting out on on trying mm. out propolis but you know i know my body and i know that and, and i know that the, the blend that i use is it, it works really well so and, and my family use it as well uh, we use it for all sorts of things so you make balms and, and different things like that out of it as well how do you sell do you sell it at all um, not commercially. It's something I'm a great believer in kind of the, the, the barter system and also that, that, you know, if somebody needs it and they cross my path, you know, they'll go away with some propolis. So the bees, they, they don't make me money. They are very much an intrinsic part of the Tanglewood project and who I am. And, you know, the, I, I, I feel privileged to have them in my life. And, you know, it's about sharing that with other people. So mm. you know, I get through a lot of honey in the year with the sessions that I do, you know, making the toast over the fire. So, yeah. Um, yeah. But if anybody, you know, if anybody wants any advice on, on beekeeping or, or the products of the hive, yeah, please get in contact. Find me on, on the Tanglewood Bees page. Yes, that, that's interesting. I think that it, it's a fascinating subject, Nick. And um, I, there's a lot of people now that are really getting into beekeeping and realizing, I think, awakening to the importance and the magic of bees, because I think it's something that no one really was aware of until now when we've suddenly seen a huge decline in them. Yes, and, and and what's been fascinating for me is is the journey of, of how, how you should keep bees. Now, there's lots of, you ask 10 different beekeepers their opinion, you will get 10 different answers. Mm. And, you know, I have experimented very, various different types of hives. I keep my bees in, in a biodynamic way. They're kept in what's called rose hives. And, you know, traditionally what beekeepers do, they go on a beekeeping course and they're taught to keep bees in a particular way. My feelings is we need to kind of explore, um, you know, 
what our relationship with bees and, and why we want to keep bees. And what we, we do is we keep bees in a box, um, we medicate them, we put things like queen excluders in in there and then we why we are having problems with bees because you know bees have they've been around for millions of years they're the experts on who they are we're not mm. so mm. you know so, that, so the hives that i keep they have um they have no queen excluder in there the, all the boxes are all the same size so the and the bees get to choose what their brood shape will be like in there so depending each year is a very different year for for the cycle, life cycle of the bees so you know the weather conditions and and you know it, it can really affect them and you know when they've swarmed and and you know where that colony is um is particular time of year they need to be able to be adaptable so keeping them in a square box has its limitations so what mm. the rose hive enables the bees to do to, to to form their colony in whatever shape they want in whatever position they need to in the hive and 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 it really works i've not medicated my bees for a number of years and you know i've had some amazing results and you know and and i'm sure you have heard and, and other you know your listeners have heard about the varroa mite my yes. bees touch wood they have they found their their groove with what they're doing and i have very few problems with that so, yeah, that is good. quite amazing, really. And um, it, it's sort of heavenly, isn't it? That sort of work is heavenly, working with bees. And it's really this, I don't know, the beauty of life to be able to do that. And I've always wanted to ask a beekeeper this. They say that a bee and dances in the figure of eight. Is that, is that true? So that's the waggle dance, yes. So what the bees do is they will, mm. um, you know, I, I have, I, I've, I've never had the chance to kind of have the conversation with a bee in that way, exactly what they're doing. <laughs> but, but, but what, what we, what is surmised from it, and there's been a lot of research done on it, is it's the, the, the number of rotations they do and the intensity of the dance, then tells the other bees where the pollen is, and they will orientate themselves to the, you know, to. To the compass and the sun and give them the information of where that where their honey crops happening or where they where the um, nectar flow is happening so mm. then the other bees are able to follow them which is it's just incredible and you were saying about that kind of the, the kind of magic of, of them mm. you know and it's you know i'm a great believer that you know life is life and we are all connected with that and i think that whole the collective consciousness that bees have is something which I think that we have that intrinsic connection within us. And I think the, the, the current recent circumstances we've all had right across the world is that mm. realisation that we are all connected. And I think we were all living within our own little bubbles going along in our own individual spaces. But I think, you know, that shift in consciousness, I think the bees are a mirror of us. They're, they're one of those marker species that they are being threatened but that also means that we are as well so you know nature is shouting at us at the moment and you know bees are one of those incredible species that that give us so much so yes they need to be watched but also as brother adam said at buckfast abbey listen to the bees and they will tell you everything you need to know and, and, wow oh yeah. what a beautiful thing to say it is yes. it is it's something really quite mystical i i was i've been fascinated and i have several family members who keep bees uh, abroad and it, i have this fascination with them because there is some wisdom there i feel that 
if they could speak, which I'm sure they speak and some people can have the ability to listen, they would really give us all the wisdom that is needed for life. I, I couldn't I couldn't agree more. And as I said earlier, I, I feel privileged to have them in my life and, and to actually drop out of my my me time my my work life my family life and just drop into that b time which, which stretches across millions and millions of years you mm-hmm. can feel it you can feel it and 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 that that programming they have within their dna and and their their soul to make such beautiful beautiful structures they just know what to do and yes you know but they're on that knife edge you know they are they're at the forefront of, of everything that's going on within our dynamic world mm-hmm. and yeah, yeah, they're struggling but i will say you know when i first started out beekeeping i was a rarity there's a swarm went through here today one of my neighbors said oh, i thought it was one of yours i said well actually i haven't got any bees here at the moment i'm waiting for the phone call for somebody to say there's a swarm of bees landed in our garden so you know and I, i've got somebody else up the road looking for some so they'll go that way and how many bees do you have nick i have um i haven't counted them individually but i have 12 <laughs> hives so that that is a, a, a lot of bees so and, a lot and, of bees and, and it ebbs and flows throughout the year you know i've been up to about 15 hives um and you know i i, I comfortably a dozen hives is, is plenty for me yes yeah and does it require sort of daily attention the hives now i must confess um i am I let the bees to a certain extent do what they need to do. I do do fairly regular inspections during swarming time. Um, mm-hmm. As I said, um, you know, my bees are in a woodland, which, um, you know, they're not going to cause too many problems. One of the issues is with beekeepers, if they've got a, a bees in a built up area and mm. they're not doing swarm inspections, you can end up with them in, in very problematic places. One of the things, you know, often I collect my, my swarms of bees from nature. I put, I put um, bait hives out for hive for swarms. So if somebody has a particular problem in an area, I'll put a bait hive there, and I'll get a phone call from them to say that you know that the, their hives now full. Please come and pick it up. I also make log hives. I make green man log hives, so the bees fly in and out of the mouth of, of the of the green man. Um, so they're out up in the woods. Um, so you know it. It's about sometimes it's just about nature having having the the bees back so i i do inspect them i obviously make sure i'm responsible make sure they haven't got any diseases that can affect other beekeepers and things like that touch wood to this day I, i've never had any um, notifiable diseases uh, so it's about finding that balance you know you can be a bee botherer as much as a beekeeper so <laughs> it's it, it's a bit of a fine line and and i choose to to uh just react to to what my bees are communicating to me rather than what i think they should be doing yes yes and there's some things that you've said there nick that sort of um you know i want to touch upon with regards to the bees that they are a reflection in a way of humanity and how we are do you think that all this that we have gone through and that we are going through as a collective, really. It's something because partly we needed to be brought back to our natural way, to be brought back to who we really are. It's, that's, a, that's a big question. Um, mm. Thinking about it, I need to let that settle in me. Um, 
one of the things which on, on my personal journey over these last few mm. weeks it's about deciding what our truth is and and i think a lot of people and and the, the dialogue that seems to be kind of emerging that people have been able to step out of their off the, off their hamster wheel and and step into a space of actually being able to look at themselves now some people have been very fearful of doing that um and some people have been unable to to connect with that part of themselves that that is that higher self that 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 true soul of our you know the centered within us you know that 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 being that that chooses to be here in the few human form so you know and and we touched a number of times on the idea of stories and and we can build the scripts around us that, mm. that can create fear in our lives so I think to be able to to step out of our our day to day scripts that we're running and and be able to to tune into ourselves has been a, an incredible opportunity for many many people. I think there is also the the other side of that pendulum swing that people have have dropped into the fear state and have have got lost in that and and have been listening to all the narratives and all the the conspiracies and all the different noise that's going on out there and have swung further out so i think for the people who are able to find that resonance within themselves and to transcend that and to find their essential element within themselves and connect with that i think is is an amazing time in history and i think we have potentially a responsibility to to ourselves to keep within that heart resonance and to be able to to share that with others and I think there are a lot of people who maybe don't have that level of of um, language or understanding for themselves to to be able to step into that space but I think there are people who have really refined and toned and honed their their understanding of themselves which will leave them to be better equipped to transform their lives and then potentially other people around them. Now because we've all gone through this and each with our own story and that has led us to certain places within ourselves I believe mm. and I think it's been challenging both personally and professionally whatever whatever we're doing whether we're working whether we're not working but us as you know beings as you said having a human experience which I I really believe that to be the truth how have you overcome these challenges, um, Nick? And what sort of things have you learnt that you would like to share with the listeners? So, my my path. I, I, my, if you look at my logo of the Tanglewood Project, uh, it, and it's, it's often only in retrospect you realise these things. And, and mm. it's a and basically, and I didn't realise at the time. It, it it's like two trees of life coming together mm. with, with the roots and, and the trees interwoven into each other and it's about those those threads where people's lives cross over and, and that kind of you know we talked about the alchemy where that magic kind of happens mm. 
and you know and there's some significant people throughout my kind of journey that have come into my life at certain times that have shared their magic with me which I've then able to to interpret it in my own way and then hand that on to others and one of the biggest one of the biggest events in my life for me was when I trained to be a youth worker I had the privilege of being asked to work with a group of young people as an honorary young person and receive training and it was in a framework of language called protective behaviors now this was something which was invented back in the 1970s by a group of women who were in a school and they were working with children who were um, victims of various different circumstances in their lives and and what they wanted to do was come up with a framework of language which empowered them to stop being victims and to be able to to take responsibility for their own lives and 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 change the the stories and the scripts that they were victims of and mm. and there's two, there's two themes to this and the first one is in in, in it's quite a simplistic framework of language but you know we talked about the whole thing of me being an, an intuitive practitioner what yes. this enabled me to do was to then give me a roadmap to be able to navigate my way around my practice and it was such an empowering thing. And, and, and somebody explained to me what this is, is about Frarian theory. Now, this makes me sound very intellectual. Um, I'm not. <laughs> um, and, and Bob Palo Freire was a guy who worked with um, factory workers in Brazil who were, they were being oppressed by the, 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 the bosses they were working for. And so what um, Freire talks about is the authentic word has the power to transform which you know is a mantra of mine it's something which i think about and and if something's not quite sitting right um you know i will drop into my heart space and think why isn't this working and it, it's oh. then about finding those, those right words and protective behaviors did that for me it was such a powerful powerful thing so the the first theme of it is um we all have the right to feel safe all of the time now i'm, I'm sure all your listeners will agree with that. We all have the right to feel safe all the time. But what I, what I really like about it is the idea that every right that we have is balanced by a responsibility. So if we are bringing something to a situation and we feel the right, we have the right to do that, is then thinking about what the balance is to that. What is our responsibility um, to the people around us? We are ultimately responsible for our own behavior, but we are responsible to the people around us. As a parent, that was massive for me to just to realize that actually I'm responsible to my children, not for my children. So that then is then followed on by the whole idea of the difference between feeling safe and being safe. And what protective behaviors does is about encouraging that adventurous approach to life. It's not about containing people in their comfort zone that they never get out of. It's about encouraging that adventurous approach to life. So they get out their comfort zone into their adventure zone, but without ending up in the disaster zone. And mm -hmm. so, how, so how do we do that? We check in with ourselves and, and we listen to ourselves and we listen to those early warning signs, those incredible systems we have in our body that indicate that actually we, we're getting out of our comfort zone. And, and why are we there? Is it something that we're, is fun to feel scared with? Are we risking on purpose? So, you know, and you can see, you can hear the language in there, which I'm using, you know, for all of us it's a really important thing to do and i think you know what what we found in in, in the current circumstances mm -hmm. but you know that right to feel safe we have a right to feel safe within it but lots of people haven't felt safe so 
you know, and, and the, second th the second theme to it is, um, and, and I was originally taught, and, and the language has moved on slightly since then, is no things is so awful small that you can't talk about it with someone. Um, mm. and, they, and, and what they say now is actually we can talk to, with someone about anything, even if it feels awful or small. And it's that idea of, of how do you decide that something's awful or small is finding those people to talk with. You know, and, and that whole idea of, of developing support networks and, and having people in your life that, um, you know, feed your soul, uh, you know, allow you to, to, to troubleshoot problems and people who have really good listening skills. And, you know, underneath that then is, is you know, I'll go through it very quickly, the seven strategies and, and I'll, I'll, I'll just dip into a couple of them. And one mm -hmm. of the things I really like is the whole idea of the unwritten rules of society, which all of us are governed by. And there's the those little scripts that we run in, in our heads that you know it's that should word that you know i mentioned before and yeah. it's that whole idea that you know people should behave in a particular way why do we have those unwritten rules within in us and it may be to do with our family it may be to do with the culture that we live in it may be to live with the, the communities around us it may be the, the school children go to or the school we went to um, and, and we pass things down through the generations and and not necessarily because we've been doing things all our lives means that we should carry on doing them and, and sometimes we get challenged by people in the most beautiful ways and and we then realize that actually some of the things which we thought were right and good for ourselves are not serving ourselves or the people around us and and they can be very very deep-seated so it's about creating that environment around us of having that support network of people who will challenge us within that but but in a very safe way so you know that was a very kind of key point in my career which enabled me to navigate around and and, and feel very safe in what i was doing and i've seen some amazing transformative things happen as a result of giving that language to other people providing them with a toolkit mm -hmm. to to go off and, and get out in their adventure zone in their adventure zone that's an interesting thought because we are a, a lot of the time afraid aren't we nick to take that risk to live and fear albeit yeah, I, I, an, no, I, and I, I, yeah an I, illusion it is an illusion and mm. and you know I, i've been listening to some of your other podcasts and it's lovely listening to people coming to the same conclusions but through their own journeys and their own language and you know that, mm. that idea of fear is is you know potentially what is going to happen in the future what you, you know and, yes. and, and often mm. what is in the present moment you can deal with it you know i i had a beautiful beautiful moment with the young person i was working with and he was a young person who had suffered from from brain injury he had other things going on and he was in a an, an emotional he he dropped out of his, his kind of resonance and he had he caused a lot of damage to himself to the the building around him and people around him and and I had I just crossed his path at the right moment I wasn't there when the event was had started but I was able to pick him up and we had this discussion around you know the fact that he managed to take responsibility for himself and at that moment a ladybird dropped on his table and Oh. I looked at it and I went that's a gift you have been given a gift here and he said what on earth do you mean and I said well that ladybird mm. is a sign to show you that you're able to calm yourself down I said next time you find yourself in that circumstance mm. think of the ladybird 
About an hour later, he found himself in a situation where he was unable to manage it in a, in a way that was conducive to him or the people around him. Mm-hmm. And he was in mid-flow. And at that point, I was just think of the ladybird. And instantly, he was able to drop into that space. And, you know, to be able to, to give him the language which then builds around that and those small tools. And one of the things that the protective behaviour talks about is that safe space exercise. So you actually construct a place in your mind that is safe to you, that you can then drop into. So that, that fear state that we're in, it's mm. a choice. It all, often it's a choice that we if we if we're going to stay in it so if you if you give yourself alternatives you you then have got the choice sometimes you might feel you haven't got the choice but if you have those strategies to step out of it, it it's it, it's transformative it is about again i think you're very right there nick because it's about finding that inner sanctuary that belongs in all of us and we all have this personal space that is private that is safe and we sometimes look outside of ourselves for that and we then become anxious also because we're looking for something that is outside of us when really what the soul is saying it's all within us isn't it totally totally and and that is the the um the space that the 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 resonance that's out there which is such a rich place for us to be able to step into and 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 just if, if we can accept that for ourselves and it, it, it is always there. it's a bedrock that we can all stand on and navigate from so it's about then stepping back and witnessing your life and and those stories and those scripts that we build mm. up around ourselves that we can can become the obstacles or the cages that we are unable to unlock but if, but if you then just quieten yourself down and find your center it's always there it's always there so it's, a, it's just about finding those strategies about how to get back to it you know and and I have struggled with anxiety in my life. It's something which has been a real double-edged sword because it's something which has given me the gift of understanding that that other people may be feeling that in that moment. And, and, you know, uh, some people can just be using bravado to try and make a situation different. But if you come from that place of authenticity and truth, other people can step into that as well. Yes, it's about being authentic, your authentic, your real self, because I think we all have anxiety and we have the ability to deal with it. It's as you said, we have to find the ways, the tools, the methods that work for each individual, because Mm. every individual is different. Now, tell us a little bit, because you have a new project, don't you? I do. I do. (laughs) And and I want to know more. (laughs) Okay. So, so this is a world exclusive. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's been, it's, I'm a great believer in divine, (laughs) in divine timing. And, and, you know, I find things in my life, if I try and push things, it can become complicated. It can become stressful. And, and it's those moments where things just line up in the most beautiful way that's where there's that fertile ground that you've got that space for things to grow because you're not trying to hold on to it. And often, you know, if you have ambition in your life, if you try and grasp it too hard, it's like kind of trying to grasp smoke. Yes, that's true. That's very true. Um, so you know so when when those when those gifts come when when that divine timing comes when that 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 affirmation comes and you know you're on the right path 
that's that's the food of my soul and and i had a beautiful beautiful occurrence in my life a number of weeks ago and this was before the lockdown and it was before our world you know as i said there's no normal left in the box you know Mm. we're all we're all finding our new way and there was just a little gift that kind of came through which for whatever reason you know i thank spirit or god or whatever you want to call it for just aligning this in my life and 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 what happened was I had a friend of mine call me completely out of the blue, somebody I've not spoken to for, for quite a number of years. And he was inviting me to meet with him because he had a project that he wanted to run by me. Mm-hmm. Now, what came out of that? the original project we haven't done because what happened was we got together and everything we've just been talking about we managed to drop into that space with each other which which was just pure creation it was alchemy so what and so what we're doing is we've set up a project um and which is called the wingsmith project Uh and the it's the idea that we are going to be creating a beautiful sculpture now obviously with with what's gone on with black lives matters and 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 the heritage that that we have and some of with that heritage that we have within our communities is something which we want to move on from you know to be creating a sculpture at this point in time is is quite an emotive subject but what we've we've have done is we we the intention behind it is that we want to get people into into um working with tanglewood and and with the tangled ethos and matt the chap i'm working with he's matt dingle he's a blacksmith and i used to work with him 20 something odd years ago mm. i used to do fabrication and design work for him and i ended up in in his in his forge chatting and we were talking about the idea that you know every person who comes into the forge and, and goes through that process of of the alchemy that we've talked about we wanted them to go away with something and one of the things which i picked up from him many years ago was the skills to be able to do coppersmithing and i've woven that into my work on a regular regular basis and we talked about the idea of potentially people going away with with a talisman and and i said well one of the things which you know i've done a lot of i made i made a lot of leaves and then Mm -hmm. the other thing i made which has been really beautiful is feathers and you know throughout you know history the feather and wings has been a very powerful symbol of you know within christianity and other religions the angels within Mm -hmm. the native americans the you know the whole shamanic um, protection of the animals and you know and it's something which the wing symbolizes that whole idea you know it's the one Mm. thing can't do we can't fly so that symbolism of that is is massive um so I had this moment and this moment of realization that actually if we can get people into the the forge, let's make some wings. Let's make some wings by members of the public and frontline workers and uniform groups as a collective. So we can then add to these beautiful, beautiful wings as, as the workshops happen where the wings can grow. So as we then descended into the, the, into the pandemic, um, mm-hmm. One of the things which came to the front was the whole idea of the frontline workers and the amazing work that they're doing out there. And 
one of the experiences that Matt had had, he'd spent some time with a lady who does work with um, uniform groups and uh, frontline workers, and she does um, bird therapy. And one of the birds she has actually wraps its, has been known to wrap its rings, wings around people who are in trauma. So oh. we, spoke to her, uh, we spoke to her and she sent us some feathers and we've started to do the designs. We've got some sponsorship for it. So we are going to be creating these beautiful, beautiful wings that people will be able to step into and and feel protected so those people who are out there doing this amazing work can feel that energy that's been woven into these beautiful feathers and then made into wings and just feel that we've got their backs and how beautiful absolutely stunning so wow we, yeah yeah and 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 it's what it's one of those once in a lifetime projects mm, um mm. you know there are talks about us taking it beyond the local vicinity and maybe doing it on a wider level and we were talks to some very interesting people at the moment who are very motivated with it so if there's anybody out there who's listening to this who maybe can contribute in whatever way or help us on our way please 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 get in contact or, or, or want to be involved so you know it it's it's an exciting time and and what's happened is because i've stepped off of my normal day-to-day life i've been able to really drop into that space and i've spent a lot of time reconnecting with my creativity and be able to set that intention and weave that magic and 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 it's coming together and it's going to be happening very soon and yeah my heart sings oh how beautiful now tell me what are you looking for what sort of help so for the listeners out there what sort of help do you need so one of the things that which we want to do is we want to go and work at work with some of the more vulnerable groups within our our society. Uh, so mm-hmm. we are looking we're looking for sponsorship. So it, it, down the line, what we're going to be doing is potentially inviting people into the forge that they will then pay a, a fee for doing that, which will then fund for us to working with other people. Because um, you know, at the end of the day, I'd love to be able to do it for it free of charge but actually i need to find a balance within my life and one of those is kind of meeting the material costs and some of the, mm-hmm. the other, other associated expenses with it it's a it's a thirty thousand pound sculpture because it's going to be big and it's going to be beautiful but you know mm-hmm. what we say is it's going to cost us to get it out there and and out there in the public and and participate is going to cost us twelve thousand pounds we have six thousand pounds at the moment which is fantastic the nhs are on board with it which is absolutely brilliant and you know we want to get it out there so are you are you doing a go fund page or anything like that what my next step is is to Mm -hmm. get our 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 facebook page up we will be getting a website shortly okay there there will definitely be a a a facebook page out there the next steps will be to get the the website out there so that will be the initial contact so if you're interested if find me you're welcome to find me on facebook nick muscle Mm -hmm see the tanglewood logo hook up with me there and i will be putting the information out but it's about very much about those kind of personal relationships and developing the story around it and, and getting people to own it and, and walk the path with us so yeah there, there's what what how delightful this is absolutely delightful nick and it has such an effervescence of spirit in it that has i think it will move a lot of people's lives yes Yes, and I say, and there's ambitions beyond this, but I, and I can't talk about that at the moment, unfortunately. I know, but, I know. It, yeah. Me and Nick was talking. I have to say to the listeners, me and Nick were talking about this, and he wouldn't share it with me. I have to say because he wanted to share. You are the first people now in the world that he shared this project with, so you, you're very honoured um, to hear about it because we wanted to get the, you know, that 
magic of that moment, didn't we? So when something's sort of born in, into a space, it, it never happens a second time. It, ha- it, it, you know, the birth happens but once. So anyone out there who would like to help Nick, please get in contact. Now, Nick, where can people get in contact with you um, to find out more about your work? And do you still do commissions for your um, silversmith work and your artwork? I do. I do. do. I have have, have an Etsy shop, so you can find Tanglewood Arts on Etsy, Mm -hmm. um, all one word. Uh Uh, You you can find, I have various different Facebook pages. I have the Tanglewood Project, um, Tanglewood Arts and Tanglewood Bees. I have a a Facebook groups as well. You can find me there. So, So make contact with me on Facebook. I'm on Instagram as well. You can find me there. We have a website, the Tanglewood project mm-hmm. you can do with a bit of updating at the moment because things have moved on greatly um so yeah uh, there's various different ways uh, you, you can even email me so tanglewood project at btinternet.com okay and people are, are free to welcome you know to feel welcomed into your world and you know you never know you're willing to possibly collaborate also with other people like-minded people Always, always, always looking up for collaborations and different ideas. And, and, and one, of, one of the other projects which I'm involved with at the moment, which was running alongside this, is that we are setting up a, uh, a, a business which is going to go alongside Tanglewood Project. One of the things which we're very well aware of, we make these beautiful, beautiful buildings, which, you know, at times I've had 150 people involved with a build, um, mm. you know, and they're built across um, often from sort of Easter time through to sort of end of October. And, and it's quite a long protracted beautiful process but it's a big undertaking so uh, my second strand at the moment is that we've also um i've got some amazing people which i'm working with and we want to be able to offer the opportunity for people to have similar spaces within their maybe it's in their home or within their um, school or college or community group so we've we are designing at the moment um, a building which is just as beautiful as our roundhouses and they're going to be called hive hubs so it's a flat pack version of our roundhouses and mm-hmm. and, and you know the, the customer or, or the you know, the people we're working with can get as involved as they want to within it they can be decorated by the groups we're working with so you know if, if go and have a look at the tanglewood page and and see what we're up to on there and and you can see the story unfold you know brilliant what a brilliant story i'm I'm 50 this year and and it's all coming together so you know and 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 i I hope there's a real authenticity to it and and you know i have i think it's over four thousand people following me on facebook now um and and i love the diversity of the people which cross my path and, Mm. and the magic we often create together so you never know what's coming next you never know and you never know who you're going to meet because you know as we always say everything and everyone arrives at your famous words at its precise divine moment and um, even this meeting with us and the listeners you never know who's listening it's a moment really to be joyful about because it's you know souls meeting on another level as well as on the physical of course it's on another level that you never know who you're going to inspire 
no I, and you and so for me it's always about putting that intention out there that you know mm. I, I i i was reminded of a conversation earlier on today many years ago i went to uh, a garden party where it, it was a very it was a beautiful beautiful house that had been divided up into apartments and a friend of ours had moved into there and there was a couple there they'd just come back from uh, um, africa they've been doing some aid work out there and they were out there on the front line living through hardship but actually you know really transforming people's lives and and my mm. wife melody my wife melody turned around and said to the chap you know I, i've got so much respect i'm in awe of what you are doing what an incredible person you are and he, he turned around to melody and he said what you have to remember in life is that we do everything for ourselves first i do it because i enjoy it and i think that and that honesty was so refreshing to me and, mm -hmm. and i think that i think that idea that you know if you are if you are serving your 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 needs in a very authentic open-hearted way and yeah and you you are then able to give to others in in an unconditional way because you're being fed in this this beautiful way so it becomes this this reciprocal relationship which then people can then step into that so yeah it, it, it's life's great mystery and and yes. you know and what we have learned from this this circumstance you know eight months ago none of us could have even imagined that, that mm. the whole world was going to shut down so the possibilities that that opens up is endless so you know let's create some magic let's see where this takes us so all you wonderful people out there who are tuning into this energy yeah let, let's keep doing it have the faith let's do it let's do it and you know when you were talking now nick i imagine this beautiful i don't know it was a mix between a phoenix and a peacock in flight and you know there is a beauty and a true you know authentic feeling about really cherishing who we are as individuals mm. because unless as this person that you were speaking to unless we find our joy we cannot share that joy it, it's impossible we have to become all that we are because we already are but it's the realization it's the awakening of that and through this lockdown i think all of us somehow you know, every living being, everything on the planet has been brought back to that pivotal point inside of us to see that actually we are beautiful and we can together create so many beautiful things. I, I'm speechless. Yes, yes, all of that, all of that. And, you know, some of the most damaged people I, ha I have worked with, I found such beauty within them mm -hmm. and, and, and what they offer us to be able to, to transcend that and step into that space is just such a powerful thing. So, you know, if, if they can do it, if they can, can overcome some of the adversity they've had in their mm -hmm. lives and, and, you know, they have been wounded, so in turn we're wounding others, to be able to step outside of that and, and that to not perpetuate that, you know, we can all do it. And, and you know it's finding our different ways we've all got our own journeys to go mm -hmm. on we've all got, all got our own fears but you know it's stepping into that uh, and grounding yourself in that and also realizing that those are transitory feelings and essentially uh, as 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 beings we have this in this infinite capacity to love ourselves and love others yes and love is the answer isn't it to every question love is 
in reality, the only real thing that can nurture us and give us this breath of life, I think. I agree. And, and, and I think what it is, once you, once you open yourself up to that, it's also being allowing yourself to see the signs. And for mm. me, there is, there, there's those little markers, those little synchronicities and, and those, those people that come into your lives that, you know, to be open to it and be ready for it and look for those patterns and those things that, you know, I, I have a beautiful, beautiful story that, that made me realize that I was on my kind of essential journey. And I think, you know, I, I can, I, if I look back on my life, I can see those points where I've veered off of that and some of the damage that's caused to myself and potentially other people around me. But when you're walking that path of, of transformation for yourself and authenticity, there can be some beautiful, beautiful things happen. And if it's okay, I'd like to share this story. Of course. With you. Um, of course. You know, and, and this was, this was um, a year in setting the Tanglewood project up and I had set up the, the the built the first roundhouse within my old job with the youth service um i was then um working in a school where um they said that they'd like a, a roundhouse and everything along the way everything along the way just dropped into place if we needed uh, a farmer to, to turn up with a tractor to 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 get the wood for us out of the woods he turned up if the materials that we needed were at the right place at the right time the right the right people turned up and all of a sudden we had this amazing network of people around us that just made it happen and it was one of the easiest things and and it was but it was at that point I had taken that leap from saying I'm employed to going self-employed and I was held I just felt held along the way and we got towards the end of the build and we had um built this beautiful structure we put the roof on there we'd had compost which had been donated by a local community group and we put it through this grader and so we had all this lovely fine compost which we put up on the roof that had been lovingly spread out and then it rained and we had oh. a leak we had a leak in the roof which was just you know we'd been sailing all along the way in such an amazing way and the chap that I'd been working with who'd worked with me at the new service who then came to work with me building the roundhouses we were set, stood there cursing the fact that you know we that, that we had this leak and I went stop stop we just we need to have gratitude at this point everything we have been blessed on our pathway here and so and I said, you know, I'm, I'm not a religious person, but I'm a spiritual person. I said, I don't think, and, and by this time we were climbing up on the scaffolding onto the roof. And I said, you know, at, at this point, I, you know, I, I'm looking around me, I'm feeling this. And, and I feel like we've been looked after by the angels. You know, the angels have been on our side. So at that point, we knelt down on the roof, just scooping into the compost where we think this leak is in the roof. And the first thing I pull out of the compost is a piece of pottery with a golden angel on it. Now, there, no. there, is, there is no way, there is no way in the world that that should have been there because this compost was graded down to such a fine grade. It'd been mm. put out there lovingly. So, but the, sto but the story doesn't end there. It doesn't end there. I had this beautiful golden angel in my hand and we were both absolutely in awe of the fact that the last words that had come out of my mouth was, you know, yes. we can't deny that angels are on our side. Mm. And this golden angel popped into my hand. So I, I took a photograph of it and I thought, actually, it needs to stay here. So I popped it up into the eaves of the roundhouse. I returned a week later. Uh, we were, thought we'd repaired the leak. I thought I'd go back and have a look and everything was dry, everything was fine and the angel was gone. I thought, well, you know, obviously oh. somebody, somebody obviously needed the angel more than I did. 
Now, my son at the time, he was five years old, six years old. Um, he then went to that school and, and had some, some big issues there and some things, you know, some adults there didn't do what they should have done around my son. And he mm. was having a very, very tricky time. And right in the middle of this, he picked my iPad up, was scrolling through it. And he said, this, this angel, I know where it is. The day before he'd been doing a litter pick at mm. school. And he'd found it underneath a hedge and he picked it up and he'd moved it and he put it somewhere where, where he knew where it was. So I was then able to have the conversation with him about the whole idea that we are looked after, that there is something out there that I, I cannot tell you exactly what it is, but it's uh -huh. something which, which is, is far beyond, you know, the, the realm that we live in and that you are looked after and that you are loved. And so he then, the next day, he went into school and he brought the angel back. And I, and I have it here. It's here with me now, sat next to me. So, oh, yeah. what a remarkable story, Nick. Amazing. Amaz and, and I have many threads like that throughout my life. And, you know, I, I believe that if you live with that, that honour and integrity, there is that mm. gift out there for us to tap into. And that's the beauty, isn't it? That's the magic of life. They're the secret ingredients that turn you know everything into gold yes <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> and on that note i'm you know i could talk to you about so many things you know day and night because you're such an interesting and wise person really nick and wow there's so many I, I, things there to think about there's so I, many I, things I, there I will return. I, I would. My my comeback to that is wise. I, yeah, I I have some wisdoms. I, I'm human at the end of the day. I, I I have anxieties and stresses like like everybody else. And mm. but it's just that that deep deep belief within me that there is that space that all of us can step back into. And and I forget at times. I get lost in my stories. And mm. you know. And and I. I have some beautiful, I, I sit in circle with a bunch of guys. I helped set up Menfest Festival last year. Um, it's to have the people around you who are able to understand that resonance in life and, and gently bring you back into it when you're lost. That is the biggest gift that we can have as human beings. I believe you and I totally agree with you. And there's something about listening to you, Nick, and your stories and this natural way of life, the way of really back to the essence of who we are, because everything that you do is back to nature. It's bringing us back to nature. And, you know, it's something that, you know, I really hope the listeners will get in contact and that you can build some connections there, because that's partly something that I like to do is to bring people together in a way that, you know, it's then to have, you know, a collection of people that can build a community that can make a difference in the world and are really the sustenance of society. When things like this happen, there has to be a place, I think, more places where people can turn to and ask for that help that you spoke about earlier. 
and that sort of kind of neatly brings us back to you know we all have the right to feel safe all the time and yeah that's a, that's a very very personal thing and and you know we have a responsibility mm-hmm. in that to, for ourselves and to others so yeah. you know and it's about us collectively getting out into our adventure zone right now and making that that comfort zone bigger and bigger and bigger and inviting other people into that space and you know yes we have such a, a beautiful opportunity at this moment in time and but the other side of that pendulum swing is the fear and that's the motivator and and if we can bring people to step outside of that what a beautiful thing to happen yes wonderful wonderful thank you so much for coming on today nick it's really truly been a pleasure and i've learned so much about so much about life and bees and life and you know um it's wonderful it's it's like a fairy tale in a way i feel like i've been part of a fairy tale these past sort of hour or so and I always ask my guests at the end of the show to give a little bit of wisdom a little bit of advice that has helped them through their life and that can possibly you know shine that light across the world to other people wow okay um I think to understand that there is always 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 somebody out there to talk to always however desperate things get there is always somebody to talk to the one thing that works for me if i find myself out of that pendulum swing where life has just got so chaotic and and the the noise in my head is is overwhelming I take my shoes and socks off and just go and stand on the earth and feel my 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 roots going down into the earth and just connecting with 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 mother earth and and she will hold you you know and then you can then once you've got that grounding you can then start to take those steps forward again and just slow things down yes that's that's a good idea actually it's something that i do and and it helps a lot and and people laugh at me i know but i've I really don't mind because I know what works for me. And I think it's all about finding what works for each one of us. And I hug trees and all sorts of things because I'm totally in love with trees. So that's something that is a little bit of magic in this world, isn't it? It's it, it's essential. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> you, yeah. And, and it runs through all of us, you know, yes. the planet yeah. is alive, we're alive and, and we are all one. We're all connected. So yeah, she's out there, you know, yeah. and if you're feeling, if you're feeling ungrounded, we all know it. We all know it on such a deep level. So yeah, mm. get your socks off and get your feet in the dirt. Yes. Very good advice. Very good advice. Thank you, Nick. Come again. Tell us more about your project. Um, once it goes, you know, live and so to speak and, you know, and all your other sort of adventures that you have and come and share them again with us you're always very welcome thank you thank you and i wish you all the very best in life and in all that you do because i'm sure that you will bring always a little joy to everything that you do thank you for the opportunity allowing me to share thank you you're very welcome take care bye now okay bye bye Nick Russell, what an extraordinarily wonderful life he leads within the nature of all things. 
Thank you so much for joining me today. And until next time, take care and lots of love. Thank you for listening to Secrets for an Inspirational Life, brought to you by your host, Mimi Novik. Please remember to subscribe to the podcast and see you in the next episode. For more information about Mimi Novik and her books, music and inspirational work, take a look at her website, www.miminovic.co.uk.